Why can we put our trust in Jesus? Um, because there's nothing too hard for him. Not one thing. Abraham, um, we, we're going to continue on today in the story of Abraham and Sarah. And the question is going to be put from the Lord to Abraham. Is anything too hard for me? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 18 and in verse 4, the Bible says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. I love this verse because this verse shows kind of a bit difficulty that me and you have. He says, talking to Abraham about having a baby, Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90, and he asks, is there anything too hard for the Lord? If you're like me and you're Abraham, I'd be like raising my hand up, yeah, a 90-year-old woman having a baby, that's too hard for the Lord right there. Um, I, I, I agree with that. Um, it's impossible. Um, but he said, is anything um, too hard for the Lord? And this is what he said, at the appointed time. Um, what we're going to see, that means two different meanings in that. Um, at this moment, we're going to understand that that meant in nine months, uh, Ab Abraham and Sarah is going to have a boy, a bouncing baby boy, and in that appointed time. But also what it means is this, that appointed time, me and you like things to happen in our time frame and not his time frame. We want it done real quick and in a hurry. We want it done when we want it done right now. But he says there is an appointed time. And if you are a lady here today and uh, you have given birth, you know exactly how long that appointed time is. Nine months does not feel like nine months, does it? Feels like an eternity of, of time and it continues on. But he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17 says this, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, understanding simply this, that God is the one who made the heavens. God is the one who made the earth. By his great power, by his outstretched arm, he created these things. Listen, if God can create this earth, he can create the heavens with his outstretched arms, he can take care of the problem me and you are standing in front of right now. That we could put our trust in him there is nothing too hard for God. And I want to ask you a couple questions today. And as I ask these questions, I don't want you to answer the Baptist answer to these questions. You know what I'm saying? Because we know the Sunday school answer. We know that. There's like the little boy said, you know, what's um, small, climbs in the trees and gathers nuts and has a fluffy tail. And the Sunday school teacher asked the little boy, the little boy said, it sounds much like a squirrel, but I'm going with Jesus. Right? That's, just, that's the answer, right? We know the answer, the biblical answer to every question, but I'm talking about this is your heart answer. Do you struggle with these questions? Do you believe that no promise is too hard for God to keep? Do you believe that God is going to be able to keep the promises that he's made for us, his church? Do you believe in that? Do you believe that the Bible says that he has gone ahead of us to prepare us a place and that when it is our time, that place in heaven will be ready for you in that time, that appointed time? 
Do you believe that no promise is too hard for God to keep? Do you believe that no prayer is too hard for God to answer? Well, why haven't you prayed about this? Well, I don't know if God is able to answer that. Do you believe that no prayer is too hard for God to answer? Do you believe that no problem is too hard for God to solve? There's not a person in this room right now that is not going through a major problem that has to be solved in your life. A difficulty, a hurt, a pain that you're going through and you're looking for resolution in that conflict. The answer, quimply, is this. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. Abraham and Sarah, their names have changed now that we're in Genesis chapter 18. They loved the Lord, but they struggled believing in the Lord. You know who they remind me of? Me. And you. They love the Lord, but they struggle believing in Him and trusting that nothing's too hard for Him. They're just normal people like me and you. For some reason, me and you have put Abraham and we put Sarah on a level that they didn't deserve to be on. Because they struggled with faith and believing just like me and you struggle with faith and believing. They doubted God just like we doubted God. They got upset with God just like me and you sometimes get upset with God. But what is the point is this. Abraham and Sarah do not deserve to be put upon no pedestal. I don't deserve to be put upon a pedestal. I mean, you don't. But who deserves to be worshipped is the Lord. Because he is the one who is faithful. He is the one who's worthy to be praised. But we see here in Genesis chapter 18, verses 10 through 15, the problem that we're at in, in Abraham and Sarah's life. Starting off in verse 10, the Bible says, And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. I can just picture Sarah eavesdropping with a little glass cup up against the tent. You know what I'm saying? Listening in on about what was going on at that time. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. I mean, we're talking Jim Gray old here, people, <laughs> is what we're talking here. That's, that's the age we're, we're talking about here today. Um, they were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, and saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. 
We see here today that there was a promise mentioned twice just in those scriptures. That Sarah, at the appointed time that he would come back next year, shall have a son. What is that? It's a promise. No questions asked. This is exactly how this is going to work. A time frame was given, and she will have a son. Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So we have a promise right there. But the problem is this, that they had been praying for a son this whole entire time. When we move and understand that Abraham's name was changed to Abraham from Abram, the name Abraham means father of many. That would be the equivalent of calling me Brother Slim. You know what I'm saying? Um, it just ain't right. You know what I'm saying? That ain't, ain't right in that sense. He was named father of many, and how many did he have? None. How in the world that he was promised that his descendants would be more than you could count the sands of the sea, but now he didn't have any kids, so God was not keeping the promise, and the only thing they wanted was a kid. They wanted to do their part, and Sarah and Abraham prayed, but they understand that she's past the age of bearing children, so they know it's not a possibility. So pretty much they even quit praying because they thought it was too hard for God. And the problem was simply this. In Genesis chapter 16, in, in verse 2, so Sarah, Sarah and Abram, this is before their names changed, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. What did Sarah realize? That God was not allowing her the opportunity to have children. She has been restrained, prohibited from having kids. They have a promise, but they have a problem that they can't have kids. So they're in the middle of a mess of their life. But yet God comes to them again and says, this time next year, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have a son. And this is what happened. Abraham laughed. He laughed. Why? Because it's funny. He's 100 years old. That's just not normal. They did not have Food City. What are you talking about? You go through Food City right now, and you see the inquire 90-year-old woman having a baby. It's like normal now. Today, there's people having babies all the time in the choir. You know, alien babies and all that stuff all the time. So, um, but that, not, this has never happened before. There's no way. And the only thing she could do, he could do is laugh. Um, the Bible, in disbelief, he giggled. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, the Bible says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. <laughs> uh, he just busted out in laughter. Because there's no way that this could possibly happen. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? We see two reactions to the disbelief that he had in he's having a son. The first reaction to the disbelief was he fell on his face and laughed. And the second reaction to his disbelief, 
he said in his own heart, this is ridiculous. This is no way this could possibly happen. You know what? The people around would have been able to see him fall on his face and laugh. But only God, listen, only God was able to hear his thought. And God was listening at that time. So Abraham laughed himself in disbelief. But also we see in Genesis chapter 18 in verses 11 through 12 that Sarah laughed in disbelief just like her husband. I know we live in a weird world today where we think that there's no such thing as a, as a, a, a way of, 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 of following the Lord, but we know in God's holy word the husband is the leader of the house and the wife is under the husband. I know that's the most unpopular teaching in the history of mankind at this moment. Well, you know what? That's the Bible. You know what? That's how we're going to understand and believe and read it, and we're going to preach it the way it has been taught unto us in this way. You know, the husband, when we as husbands laugh in disbelief at God, our family are going to laugh in disbelief at God. We are going to lead them in the way that we go. If Abraham would have believed, Sarah would have believed. But Abraham laughed in disbelief. Second, we see Sarah laughed. But Sarah did not laugh out loud. Sarah laughed to herself in disbelief. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? The Lord now, after Sarah last, laughed in disbelief under her breath and thought this in her heart, in her mind, the Lord asked Abraham two questions. The que first question is this. Why did Sarah laugh? and say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Why did she laugh? And, and if Abraham is anything like me or any other man in this room, we would throw our wives under the bus immediately. I would say, well, Lord, you know Emma. You're the one who gave her to me. You know what I'm saying? That's how she is. You know what I'm saying? We would throw her under the bus real, real quick in a hurry. Um, that's just how it is. Um, that's how we do. But I want to draw attention today that he was asking Abraham why Sarah laughed to herself and said, why can an old woman like me have, have a baby? God was allowing Abraham to know that his responsibility was to disciple his wife and children. To bring them along with him and believe like he believes. You know how beautiful it is to be able to see a family functioning in the way that God meant it to function. And we are sitting here today, and I, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or, or anything of this nature because sometimes it's in completely impossible out of our hands. But how beautiful it is 
when a dad can lead a family to church. Where a dad can lead a family in Bible study. When a dad can lead each other in following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the Lord asked, why does Sarah laugh and say, can an old woman have a baby? And he answered it in, verse, in the second question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah is going to have a son about this time next year. But one of my favorite parts of this story is the reaction of Sarah when God called Abraham out about Sarah. Because this is what Sarah said. I didn't laugh. And you know what? Sarah had a really good point there. I didn't laugh. She didn't laugh out loud. She laughed to herself, right? Like an inward giggle, you know what I mean? And she said in her heart, how can an old woman like me have a baby? She didn't say anything out loud. And she said, well, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, no, but you did laugh. You know why? Because Abraham couldn't have heard it or anybody else standing there. Or NASA with the biggest um, microphone in the world couldn't have heard it. But God heard every single word she said and giggled. You know what the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13? There is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God has not missed a word or a giggle that any of us have ever made. He's heard every single one of them. And Sarah thought maybe she got away with that one. But you know what? God was listening. And today, God knows every thought that me and you have had. Every idea that we've had that's crossed by our mind God has heard every single one of those things and you know what is so amazing is this even though God's heard all of that he still loves us he's still patiently waiting on us to believe upon him today God will keep his promises God will answer our prayers God will solve our problems. We must have faith in God. But there are some things that are too hard for me and you. We understand there's nothing too hard for God. But we're going to see in Scripture today in the end of chapter 18 that there's some things that me and you cannot handle, nor were we ever supposed to handle. And the one that we're going to look at today is judgment. Judgment is too hard for me and you to handle. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 18 and verses 20 through 26, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? 
Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous therein? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what's right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. There are some things that me and you just can't handle. One of them is judgment. Judgment is way beyond our capacity of control. That is why that's not a part of our ministry. God never appointed any of us to be judge on someone's life. God never appointed us to save absolutely anybody because we cannot do that. What God has given us today as a church is called the ministry of reconciliation. What that means is simply this. Our job as a church today is help people make peace with God. Our job is to not necessarily point out the mistakes people are making and they don't have peace with God, but our job is to allow them to understand that salvation is under only one person and by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone shall we be saved. None of us have been called to make the decision of who goes to heaven and who doesn't go to heaven that who goes to hell or who does not go to hell. None of us have that decision to be made today, and I'm tickled pink about that. I'm glad I'm not in charge of that. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? James chapter 4 and verse 12. It's not our job. To judge. It's not our job to make the decisions on who goes where and who don't go where. So we see here today that Abraham moved from laughing at God in disbelief to actually accusing God of making a mistake. Poor Abraham. How in the world did you get in that situation in your life? that you go from not even believing God and laughing when he tells you that something's going to happen to getting to the point in your life where you're actually ready to correct God Almighty, to call God out and say, man, I can't believe you're going to almost make this mistake. You need to listen to me because this is bad. How in the world did he get so arrogant that he thought that he could tell God what to do? You know who he reminds me of? Me and you. Where we lack faith in God Almighty and we don't think he's able to do what he says he's going to do, but then we lack faith in God Almighty where we think he's ready to make a bad decision. How many times has something happened in your life where you thought that was just a bad deal? Wrong. I, I, I was treated wrong about that. That's, that's unfair. There's no way... That, that, that was my fault. Everybody I've ever dealt with in my life, you go with them to jail next week and you go sit down in cell number A, B, or C and they'll slam the doors behind you and you sit down on those cots with those boys and I guarantee you, you'll be hard-pressed to find one guy in any one of those beds who did something that deserved to get there. 
Every single one of them got tricked. Every single one of them got, got someone did something dirty to them or this or that. It wasn't their fault. It was somebody else's fault. And it's just not those people. It's who? Every single person. We're always trying to blame someone else for the mistakes that we've made, and especially God who makes the mistake. Who are we to say that God's not able to do anything he wants to do? It's his, he's God, not us. And listen to what Abraham said. Surely you wouldn't do such a thing. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? My question is this. Why didn't God hit him with a bolt of lightning right then? If I was in charge of lightning, people would be lit up all over this place. You'd be scared to go outside if I was in charge. You know what I'm saying? Lightning would come through the windows on, mo on most people. That's just how it, how it would be. But why, why didn't God hit him with a bolt of lightning? The same reason he hasn't hit me with you of a bolt of lightning. You know why? Psalms 116 verse 5 says this. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The reason why he didn't hit Abraham with a bolt of lightning when he doubted him, when he accused him, falsely accused him, is because God is merciful. The only reason why me and you still have breath today, listen, the only reason you still have and I still have breath today is God's merciful. He's given us one more day to repent of our sins. He's given us one more day to believe the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Abraham did not have more compassion than the Lord. He thought he did. How in the world would you end up doing this and killing righteous people right along with wicked people? Aren't you a compassionate God? Who, why would you do that? But listen, Abraham did not have more compassion than the Lord. But listen even closer. Me and you don't have more compassion than the Lord. There's none more compassionate than God. But listen, Abraham was not considered, not did not care about the people of Sodom. Abraham cared about who? Lot, his nephew. Only thing he was doing was being selfish. He didn't care what God would do to Sodom. He cared what God would do to his, grand, his nephew, Lot, whom he loved. And they began negotiating on how many righteous people were in Sodom. But the problem is this. The Lord was the Abraham was negotiating with the omniscient almighty God. He said, was there, would there be 50 righteous people in Sodom? You know what? When you negotiate with God in that way, you don't know the answer, but he does. God knew exactly how many righteous people were in Sodom. And the answer was zero. So many times we think we can negotiate and make deals with God, but how can you negotiate with a God who knows everything? He knew exactly how many righteous people were in Sodom. Abraham 
should have known that God knew. I should know that God knows. We should know that God already knows. Listen, you can't today decide to live near sin and think it won't affect you. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15 and verse 33 says this, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I don't care who told you this. If you read it in the Bible, praise the Lord. If your mamaw told you, if your dad told you, mom told you, but your whole entire life people have told you, you got to watch who you hang out with. Because you end up living just like those people you hang out with. Oh, I'll make them a better person. No, you ain't going to make them a better person. They're going to make you a worse person. That's how it is. Evil company corrupts good habits. We have to be careful. Abraham should have known if he let Lot live in Sodom that he would become a Sodomite. He would live just like those people whom he lived with. We should know that living in near sin will affect us. Abraham loved Lot, but Lot was far from being righteous. If you want to know how far Lot was from being righteous, look in the Bible what he did with his own daughters. And you can see he was a very unrighteous man. We should know today that judgment day is coming. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, today God's patience is giving me and you time to repent. We should know today, just because a place looks good, just because a place looks rich, does not mean that God is blessing that place. How did Abraham, how did Lot choose Sodom to live? He looked at it. And it looked like a garden of God. It looked like a city that he saw in Egypt. It looked rich. It looked wealthy. It looked like it was blessed by God. Today, just because someone is rich, just because a country is rich, does not mean it's blessed by God. Last Wednesday night, we went through Proverbs chapter 30, and Agor prayed this beautiful prayer in verses 7, 8, and 9, and he said this in, in Proverbs chapter 30, verses um, 7, 8, and 9. You got it up there, guys? No? Um, he asked for two things, and he said, Lord, I want these two things, and I, I ask you that you would answer this prayer before I die. And listen to the two things that he asked for from God. First thing he asked was this in verse 8. He said, remove from me falsehood and lies from my life. What Agor wanted to do was he wanted God to remove all the lies out of his life. He no longer wanted to lie about how he was doing and how who he had under control he didn't want to live in lies but he wanted to live in truth he said Lord just take that away from me the second request that he asked was this give me neither poverty nor riches and listen 
And he said, feed me with the food allotted to me. Let me be a, content with what I have. And he gave the reasoning, and this is the reasoning he gave. He said, if I'm rich, in verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? If I'm rich, I won't need the Lord, and I'll deny. But if I'm poor, I'll have to steal and shame the name of God. What I love about this prayer, it's the only prayer I've ever heard of where someone's asking God to make them a middle-class citizen. I don't want to be rich where I, I won't need God anymore, that I don't, I, I'll deny, and I don't want to be poor while I have to steal and then profane the name of God. Lord, I just want you to give me that which food I'm allotted. I want to be content with what I have. This world today thinks just because the country is rich that they're blessed. There's millions and millions of people in this world today who would love to get into America because they feel like America is the, is the answer to all their problems. They feel like America is rich. But listen, even though we're rich, does not mean that God is continuing to bless us. But what's happened to us is very simply this, we have forgot that we need God. We've forgotten our need for the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Today we need to have compassion. We need to have compassion upon this Lord, world just like the Lord does. And today we need revival in our land. Because if you look at it, it looks like it's blessed. Because we have more than other people. But what has happened is we've become so rich that we no longer need the Lord. That we're able to do this on our own and we don't need him. Bible teaches us this prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. What we need to understand today is this. Revival starts with me starts with you in our hearts what our land today needs is revival us realizing how great the need that we have to trust in the Lord we've been laughing and mocking we we've been doubting and accusing and God's called us to repentance to repent of our sins and to believe in Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody says, I am only one. I'm only one. But I am one. Reminds me of my favorite story of a little of a preacher that told a long time ago about a little boy who went on vacation at the beach. And the ocean, the beach was having a one of those different things that day and every time I go to the beach it's read something or read that or what die or whatever that is but all the starfish had washed up on the shore and this one little boy was walking on this beach and he was taking those starfish and he was throwing them back in the ocean 
just one at a time. An old man walked up to the little boy and he said, son, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean. He said, son, the beach is full of them. You'll never be able to save every one of those starfish. The little boy bent down and picked up one and threw it in the ocean. Save that one. Save that one. You know, I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And that which I can do by the grace of God, I will do. With that attitude, D.L. Moody was used by God and brought revival to a wicked United States of America. Realizing I'm just one, but I am one. Today you have no idea how powerful God is in our lives. And by listening to him and obeying him, we can see revival in our land again. R.G. Lee was asked, when will, see, when will we receive revival again? And this is what he said. If all the sleeping folk will wake up, if all the lukewarm folk will fire up, if all the dishonest folk will confess up, if all the estranged folk will make up, if all the gossipers will shut up, if all the true soldiers will stand up, if all the church members will pray up, then we can have revival. And I am so thankful today that the Lord can do anything. He can bring revival into my heart. And he can bring revival into your heart. He can bring revival into this land again. Today, may we believe in the Lord. That he has given us a promise that he's going to keep. That he is able to answer the prayer that we pray. And that he is able to solve the problems that we have. Let's stop unbelieving and start believing in Jesus. Lord God, we'd ask that you would change our hearts today. Lord, there's so many times we've laughed at you. Because we, Lord, we thought it was impossible. So many times, Lord, we've tried to correct you. And wish you'd have done it a different way. But Lord, you're God. And I'd ask today. That you allow us to understand that judgment doesn't belong to us. We're not in charge of that. The only thing that we can do today is to repent of our sins and believe in you. And put our faith in you. Lord, do not let anyone leave here today without making that change in their heart. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand and this is our time to respond.